Good evening and welcome to Football Never Sleeps, our weekly YouTube show that focuses on Notre Dame football in the offseason. We almost had to change the name of it to Football Almost Never Sleeps Tonight because Tyler's Wi-Fi was uh, in a coma, but we've revived it and we're with you for the next hour. And we've got lots to talk about. We're going to talk about a surprise open practice today. Wasn't supposed to be open, but we got to see the whole practice today. So our impressions from that. Also, we're going to kind of look at what we want to see the rest of the um, spring practice sessions. There's six more after today, seven counting today. So what needs to get done between now and the blue gold game? Uh, latest in recruiting, the latest in just about everything Notre Dame football. Remember, before I tell you about the question part of this you need to subscribe it doesn't cost anything and hit the notification bell so you know when we have new content we had a lot of content today besides the show we have practice highlights we have interviews so hit that notification bell uh as i mentioned about questions we'll take your questions so just uh post them and we'll work them in as we get to those topics during the show so Hit the question portal. Tyler, give you a quick tutorial on how to do that. Yeah, and hopefully my internet holds strong. I lost Eric there for a brief moment, but I think we're okay for the for the for the moment. Hopefully Eric can hear me. Um and uh we so yeah, if if you are watching us on YouTube, hopefully you're either doing it on a desktop device or a mobile device, whether it's through the app or uh, uh through an internet browser. Um if you're on a desktop, the chat box should be to the right hand side of the video of our talking heads um and if you're on a mobile device of some kind or the app um the t- the chat box should be to the bottom we appreciate any comments or questions and so please send them our way and we will mix those in throughout the show as we um begin our discussion about what we saw today at the irish athletic center and the labar practice complex so Again, this today was not even supposed to be open at all, and then it was going to be open for a little bit of it so that we could get you know people stretching pictures of that and stuff. And then I think it was just such a nice day. We we're outside. They just said, ah, you guys can stay. So we got to see quite a bit. We got to see um, special teams, seven-on-sevens, 11-on-elevens, one-on-ones. Uh, let's start with the offense first, Tyler. Uh, and I think the probably the thing people want to know the most about is was there improvement in the offense's overall performance from the last time we saw them on April first? Um, I would say there was there was improvement, but that is more because of how bad it was last time. Um, <laughs> it wasn't necessarily spectacular today. I thought the offense looked better, whether it was the number one offense or the number two offense. When Tyler Buckner was running things during scrimmage yeah. sessions, um, and it's not they weren't exactly lighting it up when he was out there either, but um, they were able to find some consistency at least in some of the RPO games, getting Tyler rolling to his right and making re- relatively easy throws to guys moving to the, to their right, moving to his right as well, um, and get some yards after the catch and get things moving. Um, so it, just a, a, another. <laughs> I mean, we saw a lot of plays, and we didn't see very many big plays. I maybe one of like twenty yards or more. I, I think. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think I'm even exaggerating when I'm talking about that. Like, I think 
that's how non-explosive the offense has looked for us. Now, they once again, we're doing some third down scenarios, so the, the defense was doing some different things, um, and Notre Dame's offense was put in um, unfavorable positions, but you would think that they would be able to make some more things happen than they did. Um, and even like when they're just doing, I mean, they did sort of like a red zone session from the 25 yard line um, with four full downs to, to move the ball and move the chains. And we could see some like second and long running plays. And I, I'm, I'm hopeful that that's not something we're going to see a lot of during the season. Um, the, the running game, was pretty much non-existent. There, it wasn't full tackle today. They weren't wearing their 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 uh, pants with pads, um, and so if Audrey Gestime goes in a hole that's somewhat clouded, they're just going to blow the play dead there, um, rather than giving them a chance to sort of break it open for a long play. So that will that'll get that that ends up with a lot of one or two yard gains. Um, but there it wasn't like they were gaping holes from the offense either. So I don't I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't another. It, it was once again a day. It's like, well, um, I can't say that this makes me feel any more confident about the offense. Now it's not like I think it changes the trajectory necessarily. What I think it will look like in the fall, but I don't know. It's been uh, pretty underwhelming so far. Um, whether it's Sam Hartman in there at quarterback or Tyler Buckner, what are your thoughts, Eric? Yeah, I I guess I'm looking for reasons for it not to be going well. I think the fact that you don't have a legitimate, you don't have legitimate running plays to set up the pass plays. Right. The, the defense seems to know what's going on, so they could kind of cheat to it. And yet, I actually, you know, going into spring, thought the offense was in a better position to be the better unit this year than the defense. And the fact that the defense is playing well, I think, is a positive. Mm-hmm. What what I think I expected maybe a little bit more today was a little bit more sharpness from Sam Hartman. And this will get into some of the things that we're talking about need to be resolved before the end of spring practice. Uh, but, but again, he did, he didn't look sharp today. I mean, you wouldn't have walked in and said, wow, that's the guy that everybody's uh, swooning over. Uh, and yet I think that guy's still inside of there. And, and at some point that's going to, uh, come about when you watch him again in separate parts, not playing against the defense, you see the arm strength, you see the precision and so forth. It's really seems to be a matter of timing and chemistry, which when you're trying to work, you know, 10 different receivers and with four different quarterbacks, I think there's a limit to how m- much you can accomplish with that. So that's one of the reasons I think by the end of the spring, um, they certainly need to narrow down that wide receiver rotation. And uh, I was initially um, in favor of making a quarterback decision. I don't think you could make it today or it wouldn't be Sam Hartman, but I do think it will be Sam Hartman. And um, so I'm still optimistic that things are going to work out. Again, you look at these guys in drills and you say, wow, that's that's a heck of a running back room. And we're just looking at Jabron Payne and and Audric Estime. Uh, you look at the wide receivers, and you go, well, there's pretty good talent there. You look at the tight ends, even without Eli, Raritan, and uh, and Kevin Bauman, and you say, well, there's there's a lot to work with there. But 
when you put it all together right now, they labor on offense. And so uh, I'm curious what this is going to look like in another week and a half when we see the blue gold game. And there's a whole bunch of practices between now and then. Yeah, and, it, and it's against a defense that is being put or is being put in position to, to pressure the quarterback and make plays. But it's not like this is a defense that we thought was going to be lights out from the start of spring practice. At least, I mean, that was my perception. I, I don't know if you agree with me there, but um, I don't know if the – I mean, certainly the offensive line hasn't been stellar, um, and I think we can attribute that to having two new guards in there and um, sort of continuing to work out the chemistry of that. And obviously when you're throwing blitzes at guys, that communication is vital. Um, and so when you have new guys in those roles, you're going to have some some hiccups from time to time. Um, and then when you're talking about new quarterbacks in the mix, making sure they're communicating the protections, there's all kinds of variables there that can throw things off. But the offense just doesn't seem very good at counterpunching right now. And now maybe they're doing better jobs of that when we're not there. Maybe they're counterpunches or punches they don't want us to see. Yeah. Um, but it sort of feels like the offense is playing with one arm behind its back when we're watching – um, and I don't know if that's intentional or not. My hope is that it is uh, for Notre Dame's <laughs> sake. Uh, but it uh, it's um, it's just really not been that impressive. And uh, maybe we were too gaga for thinking Sam – maybe I was, I don't want to speak for anyone else, too gaga for thinking Sam Hartman would just walk in and he'd look um, pretty clean right away, but it, it, it certainly hasn't. Well, I mean, one thing we learned from last year is the offensive line takes a while to cook. Um, and when they started the year without Jarrett Patterson, it took them a few games before they started looking like one of the better offensive lines in the country. They certainly certainly didn't look at in the first few games, including against Marshall. Um, and so once Jarrett Patterson became a part of that, that's, again, one of the reasons I think there's really no reason to carry that competition through the summer and into August and then finally name somebody the week before the Navy game. I, I think you probably have good enough uh, data right now to name Billy Shrouth, one of the starters. And then I think the other, I mean, I wasn't too impressed with Rocco Spindler until today. I thought he fought for that position a lot harder today. Um, so. But, you know, once again, the chemistry is so much, seeing it all through one lens is so much a part of that. Even if you have five great pieces, if they're not all working together, um, it's it's pretty easy to make that. And, and that's where their name is offensive line oriented. Once you get that fixed, I think the other positions are going to look a lot better. Yeah, and I don't like sort of like what I was saying with, Notre Dame's offense isn't counterpunching well. Like I, I'm guessing Jared Parker isn't like saying, "Well, our offensive line isn't gelling right now, so let's just run a bunch of quick passes and and like bandage over that weakness right now." Well, there's no need to do that in the spring. You need to test your weaknesses and right. push force them to get better. Um, so, um, I, I my my wonder and thought is like, okay, okay. Are, are, is it is the defense being asked to be as aggressive in every practice, or are we just happening to see the ones where they're being put in these situations to be aggressive? Um, and if that's the case, 
where they're being aggressive all the time. Maybe they should call off the dogs a little bit and let the offense <laughs> gain gain some confidence here in the spring. Uh, um, I I don't I can't imagine that Sam Hartman's co- confidence needs much um, shining. I think he he's done enough throughout his career that he doesn't need uh, a few spring practices to get him to be confident. Yeah. But um, I think that uh, I don't know. It's just. Uh, it's just surprising to me how bad it, I mean, it, it's, it's not, it's bad and boring. Like I, I love football. <laughs> I will watch football whenever it's put in front of me, but we, we, we got to the point. It was, the, it was the last segment of the 11 on 11 at the end of practice, Sam Hartman's in a quarterback. And I was like writing down the, the results of every play. And I didn't even write down the first two plays of that session just because I don't know why it was just, they, it resulted in one yard. It was a bunch of meh. And so I just didn't even write it down. Like, and that's what I'm there for. I'm getting paid to do that. Uh, that's yeah. how uh, just unattractive of football the offense has been putting out there um, uh, so far. So, on the Tyler flip- just wanted to bark it out and have me write it down. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that uh, how some people do it? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think I've heard that in the past. Um, on the flip side, Eric, what what are your thoughts on the defense? What did you think? of what we saw today and how did it maybe continue or change your opinion of what we saw previously? Well, again, there's some missing parts here and there. People wonder about Jalen Sneed and Prince Collie in the linebacker core. Uh, Jalen was back at practice in a uniform, but he didn't really do anything. And uh, Prince Collie missed today because of class, a class conflict. So those are two of the guys that you wanted to see. But, man, J.D. Bertrand, when I was paying attention to the defense, seemed like he was all over the place. Yes. Um, He really looked good. Um, The cornerbacks looked good. The safeties looked solid, although they lost a piece themselves. Ben Minnick, the freshman who's been playing pretty well, he's banged up. Um, He had his arm in a sling, right, Tyler? Yep. And then – so they they were really thin on safeties. Tyler mentioned in his practice notes that they had to bring Ramon Henderson back into play with the threes because there wasn't enough safeties to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, the defensive line has surprised me uh, both in quality and quantity of the different contributors. Like there were some new guys today, like Aiden Gobira had some nice reps today. Mm-hmm. Jordan Batello, who I wrote about this afternoon, um, has continued to impress me. Um, you know, it's I, I I like where the defense is headed. I'll tell you another guy that's been kind of impressing me too is the backup middle linebacker Nolan Ziegler. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, he was maybe taking some reps. Um, not just a middle linebacker. Maybe it was weak side, or maybe I was imagining things. But I think um, so. Unless I mean, they were pairing him with JD Bertrand. So yeah. unless they were moving JD to Will, okay. I, I mean, I wasn't necessarily monitoring okay. it that closely. But they were taking some reps together. Now maybe that's just because Prince Colley wasn't practicing, and so they were just moving guys around and making the most of it. I could, even Jack Kaiser was playing more inside than we had seen earlier in the spring. Although I think both you and I are proponents of that. Um, so they were mixing and matching a lot at the different linebacker spots. Um, and, uh, Nolan Ziegler has been given a number of opportunities and Notre Dame's coaching staff seems to like what he's doing and what the way he's progressing and right. 
that's someone that's coming way off the radar and a guy that wasn't really yeah. pushing for much of anything last year, which is understandable um, as a guy that was a little bit undersized. He was more of an athlete than a, than a linebacker when he came to Notre Dame um, and uh, was playing a wide receiver and safety for the most part in, in, for his high school team um, and is growing into that linebacker role. And if he can sort of grow and can, can maintain that athleticism, I think there's a, a long-term piece there that Notre Dame has to like quite a bit. So um, the linebacker position isn't lacking for talent, um, even though they are much maligned <laughs> by yeah. by tweeters and message boarders alike. But uh, they would have been impressed. Well, maybe they wouldn't have because they just don't want to be impressed by him. But J.D. Bertrand, I thought, played his tail off today. He, he had a couple right. of pass breakups. And they weren't just like pass breakups where like he's playing middle linebacker and a ball thrown in the middle of the field and he makes a play. Like he broke up like a pass to the flat on, I think it was maybe fourth down. Um, and beat beat Jabron Payne to the ball and just said, no, you're not, you're not catching this. Um, right. And I, I thought that was really impressive. And I think he's been flying around and playing like a guy who's played quite a bit of football. Um, and I imagine he's the kind of guy with so much experience that thrives in these different um, scenarios that they're putting the defense in and, and the advantages that, that Notre Dame's defense is giving itself by, by sort of, forcing the offense to play on its, on its heels rather than being the attacking side. Yeah. So the other thing, you know, and just talking to Al Golden, uh, might've been last week or the week before, I think he learned a lot from being back in the college game for a year and he's mm -hmm. gone out and researched things and thought about how can I make this defense better? There was, there was probably a bigger adjustment back to college than he even anticipated. And so I think we're seeing a better version of him in terms of both calling the plays and structuring the defense where it's more aggressive. We've seen the linebackers a lot more right. uh, involved, and, and maybe, that'll, maybe that'll make people happy. Um, and, and to be honest, I mean, at some times last year, they and maybe it was the position they were put in, you know, you look for difference makers in your linebacker core, and I wouldn't say they were difference makers. I thought J.D. Bertrand was a really productive player and Kaiser, but I feel like in the practices we've seen, we've seen more difference maker qualities. Yeah, and I think, I mean, one of the, I mean, the, the risk of like all these different exotic things that they're doing defensively is that you could end up with some blown coverages or some guys left wide open, and there haven't been a lot of wide open receivers. It's not like um, Notre Dame's offense is missing wide open guys. I mean, there have been a, a few of those circumstances, but the secondary seems to be holding up well and communicating well and making sure that there aren't any kind of busts like that. Um, like I mentioned, the running game is, is a bit – maybe fool's goat of how well the rush defense is playing, but there, we haven't seen many big running lanes. Um, it's not like uh, they're given a lot of opportunities to do that. Not, now, obviously tackling is the most important part of that. You got to actually right. finish the play and we're not seeing right. that, but. Um, right. There's times Audric estimate goes through there and you go, okay, well that's probably not just a six yard. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think there's one time he's like, that's a touchdown. If we're, if we're actually playing football and it was, they gave him like a five yard gain. Uh, so, uh, now obviously Audric's a very confident player in his own ability. So he might've been, he might've been a little bit too strong in that opinion as well. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's encouraging 
again, I, I think the secondary is particularly the cornerback position has been um, very impressive. I thought, I don't know. Did you notice the gloves that they were wearing today? It w- looked like boxing gloves from a distance. For yeah. Me. It was like a mix between like a mitten and a boxing glove is how I described it. And I, my, my guess is it, they're just like some sort of equipment that prevents them from holding guys. And so you're, you're not able to grab onto people with those, with, with the way those gloves are, are fitting them. And so they did parts, parts, of seven on seven and a little bit of the 11 on 11 with those on i thought that was interesting so we weren't necessarily seeing a lot of interceptions with those things on their hands but uh i think uh there were there were guys in good positions so um i we did see um notre dame make some good catches early on in the seven on seven that was probably the best the offense looked was um a few plays early on in the seven seven on seven situation with 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 tyler buckner and sam hartman and then it sort of was a bit downhill from there they were even a little diluted today. I, I didn't see Christian Gray out there running around, so he must have been nicked up. Correct. Christian Christian Gray was not dressed. Um, obviously, Cam Hart still isn't doing full contact stuff. Um, I think you take that those was, two out and you still look good? Right. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. You're putting a lot on Clarence Lewis and Jaden Mickey, and those guys seem to be holding up their end of the bargain. I think Chance Tucker had a PBU at one point in the practice. Um, a walk on. I want to give some love. Isaiah Dunn. I think in both full practices we've seen he's had an interception. I I don't know that that's like Isaiah Dunn's going to be pushing for playing time this season, but he's 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 stepped up and made some plays and in, in some practice opportunities. Usually like third string opportunities. It's not like he's doing this against the starters, but um, I think that he is uh, he's at least flashed in my opinion a guy that I'm not sure that I would have known his name or remembered his name going into spring and had some nice moments and practices so far. Do we need to pick off a few questions before we move on? Or Yeah, we can do that. Okay. Um, let's start with Mike DeVoy. Mike says, I was confused to see Chris Tyree and Jaden Thomas both listed as slot receivers. I thought slot receivers are speedy, quick twitch guys. This doesn't sound like Jaden. Illuminate me. Um, sometimes you will put a bigger receiver in the slot. There's even times you'll put your tight end in the slot if they have that kind of flexibility generally right. a slot receiver is a um as a receiver who can break your ankles you know a fast guy that that can use his speed in the open field but again sometimes when you want a certain matchup against a certain defense a bigger receiver will do i i, I agree Jaden thomas isn't your prototypical slot receiver when you think of it but it gives them a little bit more variety. I also remember seeing um, Chris Tyree in the a two-man backfield at times. Now, he motioned out of that. but uh, So I think they want to move him around and, and give a little bit of variety to that. In, in general, the way Notre Dame's offense has worked during the Brian Kelly, Marcus Freeman era is that you try to get a an elite speed guy out in the on the outside – on the part of the field that's furthest, you know, that you got the most field to play with, they call the field receiver. And so you think about Will Fuller as the prototype for that right now, Tobias Merriweather's at the top of the depth chart there. And then usually you have a big physical tall receiver into the boundary. And and right now Dion Colsey is the top of the depth chart there. Yeah. I think we'll see Jaden Thomas playing in that spot as well. Right. Um, but I, I do think, he does some things in the slot that you like. And I think 
we've seen defenses adapt and having nickelbacks that can play against these these speedy slot guys. And then, well, if you throw Jaden Thomas out there with size, like what's this? I mean, yes, the guy may be able to be able to be may be able to keep up with him, but can he beat him at the point of attack for for a catch? Is Jaden Thomas just gonna be too big or too strong to make the play at, at the point of attack? Um, that's something you can do. And then also, he gives you an advantage as a blocker. Um, so if you want to you want to take advantage of the edges of your offensive line and work outside, if you get someone like Jaden Thomas blocking a nickelback, you really like your chances there to to clear out some more space. So um, there are there are different ways you can handle that. I, I want to say Chase Claypool played some in the slot, and he's not exactly a, a small, quick twitch guy. You would think I mean, he's certainly plenty of good good enough athlete, but um, he's a big body, and obviously we know he, he had a a love for blocking guys as well. And I think Jaden Thomas has, has sort of created a bit of that reputation for himself as a guy who is a, is a good blocker. In addition to some of the things we can see him do as a receiver. I, I like Jaden Thomas's progression. I think he will have a significant role in the offense, whether it's out of the slot or playing outside receiver. Um, I think they'll use him in different ways. And I think Chancey Stuckey is likes to move guys around. He doesn't he doesn't necessarily want to be predictable and having guys line up in the same spot all the time and and have some guys being a bit versatile um and uh maybe going against some tendencies that you would think of typical receivers. We did not see um Caleb Smith today. He was he missed for personal reasons, right Tyler? Yes. Okay. And then but we did see Braylon James get some reps with the twos. Now, he was wearing a red jersey, so you couldn't get real physical with him. Mm-hmm. But he was catching some balls, looked pretty good um, running with the number two group. Yeah, I thought he did some nice things, and uh, it's a bit different when you're wearing the red jersey. And I saw him like yeah. go up and land hard on the ground. I was like, oh, I don't know what they're protecting him from, but he didn't yeah. protect himself there. <laughs> so yeah. um, uh, I think he might be, maybe needs to do a better job of that, but obviously that's hard to do when you're a freshman trying to compete and, and make a make a mark um, in your first uh, first spring. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any guys that were out. Logan Diggs was dressed today, um, but did not do much contact or do much of the physical activities. He wasn't even doing like the uh, the gauntlet that they they run through. I think the only two running backs or scholarship running backs that were doing that were Audric Estime and Jabron Payne. Jadarian Price got to put on a jersey today. He was not wearing shoulder pads, but he was being able to do a little bit of running around. Yeah, we um, saw him sprinting. And, and we, we saw Adon Schuler um, doing all kinds of work with his legs. He had shoulder surgery, but he was running. He was also doing a lot of cutting today, the safety they're desperate for healthy safeties. They're almost asked Tyler to play. <laughs> yeah, I think it was what I, was that last week when I talked to Ramon Henderson. He's like, "Yeah, we're dropping like flies." Now I don't, I don't know if he was alluding to Ben Minnick when he said that, but yeah. uh, he's just like, it seemed like every other day we keep losing a safety. Um, so uh, yeah, they are they are thin for bodies there, and and probably more evidence or reason to to try to bring in a, another body there at the safety position the, the problem is is that sometimes these guys in the portal have their own injury histories um right. so it, that can be a bit difficult of, of knowing of whether or not the person's going to be able to stay healthy when they get here as a reminder we we've been doing this i think everybody's been doing this saying that the portal spring period is may 1st through 15th and it initially was it's actually april 15th to april 30th when people get in the portal 
So you will see the Notre Dame guys that at the beginning of spring practice that had left the team, you'll see them jump into the portal probably this weekend. You'll also see a whole new batch of players across the country. Probably not as many as we saw in the December, January period, but some big names and some good names to look at, and that'll start happening Saturday. All right, let's hit some more questions. How did, or this is from Cousin Luke, how did, and he just said how about because he asked about other guys before this, how was John, or John, Javante John Baptiste or the freshman Drake Bowen? Um, and uh, Javante uh, Jean Baptiste, he did not seem to do much at practice today. I don't know if he's dealing with something that's nagging him. Um, Drake Bowen was practicing. Um, I noted him mostly when we we're in the special teams portion of practice. I didn't see him doing a lot um, with the linebackers. He wasn't. It, we mentioned that Nolan Ziegler was given some opportunities. They didn't really bring up the freshman beyond like the third string, at least, to, at least, or maybe there's some doing some second string stuff, but um, I didn't see him make a, a play of note, but he was, he was thrown in the mix to um, at the end of this special team session, which was honestly might've been my favorite session of the day where they were just doing a drill where it's basically a guy running downfield um, to cover a punt or a kickoff, and then a, a blocker is trying to cut them off and prevent them from getting to their target. Um, and Drake was asked to be one of the coverage guys, and and Jaden Thomas went up against him, and Jaden got the better of him um, there. So, uh, but but I like the the competitive spirit that was put into that drill, and I, I did see Drake look good uh, when they were doing the drills before that. This was sort of like the culmination. There was like four, three or four, or maybe five, like individual matchups they had at the center and everyone was cheering for those guys and um, rooting them on. So that was kind of a cool, cool start to the practice. Yeah, that was a fun drill. Um, I can't remember who Xavier Watt got, but he, he obliterated somebody. Uh, That might've been the last rep that they ran, but you had, you had highlights of that. Yeah. Jaden Thomas got Drake Bowen pretty good. Yeah, you can watch you can watch that on our YouTube channel. You don't have to go too far. Just go back and look for the the highlights from today's practice I posted uh, today. Um, yeah, Xavier, I'm tr- I'm struggling to think who Xavier Watts blocked too, but he yes, he definitely had a good block there. Um, and uh, there was a it was a, it was a good mix of of offensive and defensive players going against each other. All right, next question is from cousin Luke as well. Is Audric as explosive as Dexter Williams? Um, I would say in a different way, like Dexter kind of had, you know, once he got into the secondary, then it felt like he had another gear that he could run away from people. Logan Diggs was telling us last week that he felt like Audric was a lot faster than people gave him credit for, but then he didn't give him credit for being faster than Logan. (laughs) Um, so, um, but I think that um, he he is explosive with contact. You know, Dexter's gear was when there wasn't contact, when he could kind of see that he was going to get out in front of everybody. I think you you estimate gets into traffic, and that's where his explosiveness is. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's right. I I, I wouldn't necessarily describe him as ex, as explosive as Dexter Williams. I think he's probably a better well-rounded running back than Dexter Williams is. Um, I think uh, 
it took Dexter a while to get to where he ended up being as a, as a running back, whereas Audric has shown some, shown some of these natural abilities as a running back um, early on in his career at Notre Dame. So I think you continue to um, see him develop upon that. We, we talked to him last week and talked to him about how do you go about sort of trimming down and losing some of the body fat he was talking about. He's like, well, I had to ditch my racing canes <laughs> that I like to <laughs> that I like to have like twice a week. He said now it's like once every two weeks. Uh, so he uh, he's he's uh, cleaned up his diet a bit. Obviously, he was always a hard worker in the weight room, um, but sort of the combination of those things has allowed him to be a more springing back per se. I think he's I think he's becoming an even more dangerous threat to to defenses. He's not the first guy that's ruined his potential NIL deal with raising canes. <laughs> I remember Prince Collie saying something about that last year. <laughs> All right, next question is from Sam Clark. I have only been here for a few minutes, but how hard is it to evaluate offense playing bad versus the defense playing well and vice versa? Really difficult. I remember talking to Niles Morgan about it. Now, this is back when Brian Van Gorder was the defensive coordinator. <laughs> uh, but... Um, he, you know, the players don't even have a sense of it because it just depends on how well they know what the offense is trying to work on and, and how well they know their plays and, you know, whether there's going to be a surprise there or not. And so like, for example, today there was a situation when it was 11 on 11, where every down was third and six or fourth and six for a while. They weren't trying to you know, do an actual scrimmage of moving the ball down the field, sequencing plays. It was just third and six and fourth and six, and then a new quarterback did the same thing. And in that situation, the defense really has an advantage. So I don't I don't think that you can tell at this point. And again, how much is Marcus trying to get to the bottom of what are their weaknesses and and trying to fix them in the spring versus you know, just kind of glossing over them, especially when the media is present and, and so forth. So I, I still think the offense is going to be the better of those two units, but I think the defense has a chance to surprise. And if the defense does surprise and the offense is as good as we thought, then this team has a chance to surprise. Yeah, and the offensive coaching staff needs the experience of working together to to fix, right. fix issues, whereas the defense – is experienced in that with the, with the cohesion there and the continuity on the staff. Um, so I think that giving the offense the ability to do that and testing them in the spring makes sense. Um, in terms of like, how do you tell if it's good offense or, or a good defense? I mean, there are such certain situations and some situations that we've seen in these two practices where it's like, that's just a missed throw or, or a guy's got to catch that. And it's not, it's not good defense. It's just like it's not executing on offense. And so sometimes that is that is bad offense. Um, and it's I wouldn't be giving a lot of credit to the defense. And I think sometimes I feel like those are the moments that that are more concerning to me. It's like okay, why can't why can't they complete a pass? Like why 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 are they struggling to get the ball into the hands of the receivers? Or why that why are the receivers not in the in the places where the quarterback thinks he's going to be? Those seem those I would chalk up to issues about bad offense versus good defense. Now, well, I, as I mentioned earlier, the the defenses have been usually in good position. There haven't been a lot of like wide open guys, um, so there is being good defense played. But I don't know that all of the mistakes that we've seen on offense or lack of execution on offense has been 
um, a product of the defense playing at an extremely high level. I can remember, I mean, I can remember some springs where this was an issue before where, again, the wide receiver rotation was too wide, that that there's too many quarterbacks working with too many receivers, and you really didn't get a chance to hone that timing and chemistry. Now, they'll have all summer to do that, and I would expect when we get to August. But I remember Brian Kelly skinnying down who the receivers were that were going to get the ball from Ian Book because of this very problem that they were trying to get him chemistry with everybody, and it just wasn't, at least with Ian Book, it wasn't working. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I've noticed that. I mean, what we've seen is Tyler Buckner and Sam Hartman are both taking reps with the ones and the twos. So then obviously they're going to be throwing to all those different receivers that are playing ones and twos. But it, it seems to have been pretty clear cut, like who the top receivers are. Like they're not mixing in a lot of the freshmen with the top, with the number one offense. I think they um, were earlier and, and in drills too. Remember those drills? Where they had all four of the quarterbacks throwing, right? At the same yeah, time. yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, I was thinking more of like seven on seven yeah. and uh, eleven on eleven stuff. Um, right. Even like where it seems like I don't know that we've seen a ton of Lorenzo Styles with the number one offense. I seem feel like he's been more of a number two offense. He has player. been a two. Um, I so, saw him move Braylon into the right position today. That was kind of funny. Yeah. So, uh, um, it. Uh, I, I don't know to what extent that is that is contributing I, that um but again like that's still that isn't you're not giving credit to the defense for that like the defense isn't creating like the their depth issue or like they need to shorten their depth chart like that's that is an offensive concern whether or not it's gonna lead to bad offense in the in the end um is a different is a different story the the thing when I look at it too is is this fixable is it fixable I mean there were times, Drew Pine was doing things, and I thought, this isn't fixable. Right. He can't throw this certain pass. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no pass that Hartman can't throw. He he can make all the throws. Mm-hmm. Pine was limited. The, the I want to say the positive, I think, from Hartman being there to this point, the biggest positive, it's made Buckner better. Um, that Buckner has picked his brain. He's learned things from Sam. But then Buckner still has a skill set where he can move around and so forth. So I think that's that's been a positive. But that's what I look for in the spring. Is there a dead end here at a, at a certain position or with a certain part of the offense or the defense and what they're doing where there's just no hope to fix it? And uh, yeah, and I don't see that. So I think that's the best optimism i can give <laughs> yeah no i think that, i think that's fair all right one more question before we get back to some of the other things we want to talk about from stanley watkins any freshmen on either side of the ball show promise to contribute early on most likely in your opinion well i mean christian gray looked really good the last time i saw him so i'll, I'll put a check mark next to him i like the speed that i saw from ben minnick i like how smart he is but again he was injured today uh, let me think. I, you know, I mean, Zinter impressed me, but he's too far down the depth chart. Right. I mean, all those linebackers are really athletic. Um, you know, we'll have to wait on Brendan Vernon on the defensive line. Going to the offensive line, there's nobody that's going to push for a starting spot uh, there. Tight end, uh, Flanagan's not going to 
move up with all the depth they have there. You know, wide receivers, we talked about all three of those guys, Great House, Braylon James, and Rico Flores. I think they've all had their moments. I think Rico's been the most consistent. He's still farther down the depth chart, but I could see him playing sure. and making some catches for them. And then running backs, Jeremiah Love isn't here yet, and Kenny Minchie isn't going to, you know, overtake the top two quarterbacks. But I like what I've seen of him, and I, I love talking to him. He's smart kid. He's got really good ideas about how to be a really good quarterback. I like where he's going down the road. Yeah, Gray and Flores are the two that have caught my eye the most and could have the opportunity to do that. I think Minnick has had some moments. Obviously, we got to find out what, what the deal is with his injury. Um, but And we do talk to Marcus – and the coordinators on Saturday, but we do uh, his opportunity could be there. Given the depth chart, there's just not a lot of safeties on the depth chart that are healthy and available. And, and there's a short line to, to the number four safety in that, in the mix there after DJ Brown, Ramon Henderson and Xavier Watts. Um, beyond that, I mean, I don't know that there's a ton of different options there. I mean, we're, there's a pretty long list of redshirt freshmen that are working to be taking advantage of these opportunities that, that these freshmen are going to have to compete with. So I think that the roster is in a good position um, and has a lot of talent in the younger classes. Um, so that, that makes it harder for these freshmen to sort of jump out right away um, and, and get into the mix, especially when you're talking about having a lot of returning players at number a number of positions uh, throughout the roster. Okay, do we want to move on or do we have any more questions that we need to get? To? Uh, that's all the questions for now. Okay, so we we talked, you know, we'll skip special teams. There were some interesting things that we can talk about. How dare time. you erase Zach Yoakum's legacy? Okay, go ahead. Mention no, Zach no. Yoakum. No, I, yeah, I just think he, he's remained consistent. I mean, he was he was nails when they gave him opportunities to kick field goals again today. Um, I think one was a 42-yarder. Um, and I think the last one at the end was maybe like 38 yards when the whole team was sort of chanting and tried to get in his head. Um, but it, just an impressive kid that's sort of made the most of his opportunities. We don't, I don't necessarily expect him to kick field goals in the fall when Spencer Schrader is here to or joins the team in the summer and, and with a chance to to become the starting kicker um, from South Florida. But uh, I just I just enjoy the way he's sort of continued to grow and uh, tackle the challenges thrown at him. And like I mentioned earlier. The special teams portion of the practice that started practice was very entertaining and interesting. And you can see a number of those clips in the the highlights that I posted from earlier today. Okay, I'll I'll add to it. Um Marty Biaggi had the kickers working on uh, pooch kicks and uh, on squib kicks and onside kicks, very precise. They had to hit targets and so forth. It was pretty interesting watching them do it, and Yoakum actually was pretty good at all that stuff. Uh, as far as the punter, Bryce McPherson is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> they built the new facility so that the punters would never hit the roof um, because it always happened at Loftus Center and chunks of the ceiling would come out. Well, Bryce McPherson kicks his punts so high, they do hit occasionally it hit twice hit the roof. Now what he can do usually is just kind of skirt be maybe a couple of feet below that, but the guy's got a heck of a leg. He can, he can put top spin on it and spin it down the field. He can 
put English on it where it kind of dies going to the side or even bounces back uh, toward him. Uh, I think he's going to be, you know, I mean, who wants to watch somebody punt if it's your team? You know, you you don't want to ever punt, but uh, uh, he's going to be a weapon in terms of flipping the field. All right, let's uh let's start talking a little bit about what we hope to see or learn about the rest of learn about this Notre Dame team the rest of spring. We're not going to get a chance to physically see a lot of it happening on the field, um, but we'll be learning about it, a lot about it. And then obviously the blue gold game will be the capper of that. Eric, what are the the top things that you want to to see or learn about this Notre Dame team as we close out spring practice? Well, I'll run through them all, and then I'll we can go back if something sounds interesting to you. Um, if I'm I not think, asleep, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or your internet. Uh, determine the time table for naming the number one. I think ideally, if you could, to be able to name it by the blue gold game so that you could go into summer knowing who your leader is, getting that um, number one quarterback situated with a first group of receivers, I also like pencil in the wide receiver uh, rotation and hone in on timing and chemistry. And I actually think they're starting to do that. You're starting to see separation uh, from the top six, maybe from the other other group of receivers. Um, determine the pieces of the offensive line. I mentioned that earlier. There's no reason to have that guard battle go all the way through August. And And you know what? You may lose somebody to the transfer portal that doesn't get the starting nod. Uh, assess the safety situation for portal, either a portal addition or position switches. Notre Dame might have to do both just based on depth. Uh, seize the special team's momentum. Marty Biaggi's doing that. I think we'll see strong contenders for the punt and kickoff return by the end right now. It's a little bit of a gong show, a lot of people involved. And then it may change again in August when – uh, Micah Bell and Jeremiah Love get here, and they may be able to push their way into contention there. And then determine the difference makers. I mean, one thing about rotating so much on defense is that, um, I, you know, it keeps people fresh and everything, but I felt like at times last year, Isaiah Foskey wasn't on the field during a critical third down or on the goal line. And I think that was part of their problem in the red zone was that they were rotating so much. And I, I think you look at the great teams, they have difference makers. Notre Dame needs to identify who those are and make sure that when you're rotating, you're also making sure your top players are in there on key downs. Yeah. I, I sort of picking on the D line there. Like I'd like to sort of know who the top eight guys are and, and figure out, I mean, you don't have to limit yourself to eight, uh, but sort of beyond that, maybe figure out if there's niche roles for guys. But I think uh, figuring out, okay, here's what we what we have. This is what we feel the most confident in moving forward. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think with the offensive line, it seems sort of penciled in to me. Like every time, every time anymore, we see Billy Strouth and Andrew Kristoffic out there. Now maybe um, Michael Carmody falling down the depth chart was related to his injury issue, but um, I, we, I think we all sort of felt that was more of a, him getting a chance as the experienced guy versus him being the favorite to win that spot. Um, so I think it's probably going to be Andrew Christophic and Billy Shrouth and haven't seen a ton to dissuade me from that. 
and um, we will talk to Joe Rudolph spring. on Friday, so we can certainly ask about that. Yeah, maybe he's going to just start his his press conference with us. He's like, "Here's my starting five: <laughs> Eric Hansen. <laughs> I heard you wanted this from me. <laughs> no, Joe is a very he's a very kind communicator, at least at least in yes. our limited experience with him. Uh, so I, I don't I wouldn't expect him to to, <laughs> to speak like he does to his lineman at times during practice. Um, I like the, the quarterback thing is like, I don't, I need to know more about what Sam Hartman has looked like or what the difference between those two has looked like when we're not there. Right. It doesn't seem like, listen, I think Sam Hartman is going to be the starting quarterback, but I think Tyler Buckner has played pretty well. Um, he did and I don't, today. And I don't he know that Sam, when we've seen Sam Hartman, he's looked lights out. Not that he doesn't have the ability to be better than what he's played, but, um, so I don't know. I, I think it might be a little cheesy to name him the starter if he hasn't really played that well in the spring. It's like, well, what are we even doing here? Like, what what, what was the, this competition was a sham to begin with? If we're just naming him the quarterback, if Tyler Buckner's played better than him. In the well, let me practices. ask you. This, this is the point I tried to make the other day. Shouldn't Tyler Buckner, if he's not going to be the number one, shouldn't he have a chance to know that when the portals open? I mean, if if he if he really wants to be here and really trust that he's being given a fair shot and trust that even if Sam Hartman's number one, he's going to be a better quarterback for the experience. Otherwise, you know, I think if you just say, well, let's not name it until after the portal closes. So, and then you're going to have a disgruntled, you know, potentially quarterback. I, I don't know, but it, but again, based on today, there wasn't that separation. That's what made me second guess my whole column maybe i'll delete it but um, <laughs> but that i was i was anticipating more of a separation the next time we saw them yeah i mean i don't know i mean there's so little guaranteed in college football so like like i like why does tyler buckner i mean i understand if he wants to know that but like they don't owe it to him to say that he still has a legit shot to be the number one like hey there's a competition and we if you don't like, if you don't believe there's a competition, like, don't you think we gave you quite? I mean, he, it's not like he's not taking reps of the ones in practice. So, um, I, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I think Tyler Buckner is smart enough to know the reality of this is like it's going to be a it's a tall task for him to beat Sam Hartman to be the starting quarterback, regardless of what has happened this spring. Um, so whether or not the coaching staff tells him that Sam Hartman is the starter in the fall now or waits. I don't, I don't, I'd be a little bit surprised if he feels betrayed. If like they, they don't name Sam Hartman, the starter. And uh, it, it, it just sort of feels like it, inevitable once we get to the fall. Um, so, I mean, he's still going to be one play away from being asked to do a lot for this offense. So um, I think, uh, I don't know that that situation has changed. Um, so I, well, he, he didn't sound when we talked to him and again, let's assume that he's being frank with us. He was very clear in what he thought the benefit of being at Notre Dame was. And that was that he continued to improve. He didn't say I need to be the starter or I need to have at least a niche role. He said, I need to be improving. And at that point he felt like he was. Yeah. And I think from what we've seen, I think we would agree with him. Right. I would agree. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, to me, like, 
it's the the bigger thing is like this chemistry issue that we did haven't necessarily seen a ton of with the wide receivers. If that if they need to figure out a better way to handle that to make sure that Sam Hartman is getting on the right page with all these receivers, that maybe that's I would I would lean towards that being the reason to sort of come up with a better plan or maybe delineate this a little bit better than um, sort of like some need to be transparent with Tyler Buckner, because I don't know that they've ever not been transparent with him um, regarding the the quarterback competition. (laughs) They were with Drew Pine and he was out the door. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's still plenty of things that need to happen. Um, I think sometimes like we've talked about in the spring, it's, it's not like the end, like this isn't, the last thing we see in the spring isn't what we should expect to see the first day of fall. Like it's going to be different between now and then. Um, and there's still plenty of development that happens in those months um, and, and movement that can happen. Um, right. Right. Uh, the, the poster child for that forever will be Deshaun Kaiser and the yep. 2015 spring practices. He looked like the fourth best mm-hmm. option. Uh, Montgomery Van Gorder looked better than him. And he even questioned during the summer whether he was in the right sport. He thought, well, maybe I should switch to baseball. And then he comes back in August and is a world beater. And then, I mean, if Malik Zaire hadn't gotten hurt, I still think he would have heard footsteps because Kaiser was coming. Um, So another example of that was actually Tommy Reese. Uh, Brian Kelly was so concerned that Reese could never play for Notre Dame. He made Luke Massa and Andrew Hendricks come two weeks early to school to give them a little bit more of a start. They were June enrollees, and and Tommy was an early enrollee, and then there was Dane Christ and Nate Montana, and he was like, this guy can't play. And then Tommy had this transformative summer, both physically. I mean, he was 17 years old when he showed up and, and mentally and, and got himself into the number two position um, pretty quickly over Nate Montana and, and the other kids. And, you know, the rest is history with Tommy Reese. If I were to name a defensive like candidate for that, it would be Tavon Coney. He was sort of an yeah. enigma in the spring. And then all of a sudden he became, he had the breakout season in the fall um, and really sort of blossomed under, under Clark Lee and Mike Elko, um, I don't remember exactly the year. I'm bad with remembering the years of that, of which year that happened. But whatever Tavon Coney's breakout se- season was, that spring before that, he was sort of an afterthought and seemed like a guy that wasn't sort of getting it and clicking. And, and sometime, for, for whatever reason, over the summer, um, something clicked for him and he was able to to, to figure it out and, and put himself in a position to have a really, really big season. Conversely, there's guys that are winner – Winter Warriors, Houston Griffith, every year, and it never translated. And then Spring Warriors, Chris Brown, until his senior year, was the spring guy that kind of disappeared in the fall. Yeah. And uh, then his senior year, he had a pretty good year. Is there anyone that's impressed you this spring that you think will be an afterthought in the fall? Maybe Jabron Payne just because of the numbers. Right, right. Um, but I mean he's looked good in his opportunities. Yeah. Um 
I want to see what Nolan Ziegler looks like in the fall, but I like where he's going, so I don't I don't want to write him off. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe maybe one of those cornerbacks, like whether it's Jaden Mickey or Clarence Lewis, maybe maybe we're being a little bit fooled by how how impressive they've been in the spring. I mean, Jaden Mickey was kind of that last year, right? He 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 was he was the standout freshman cornerback, and then Benjamin Morrison said, "Watch this." (laughs) So okay. Jason Anya is going to have to win me over too. Sure. I th- yeah, yeah, yeah. I think That's he's flashed, but yeah, we'll we'll see if he's sustainable because there's going to be a lot of competition. Yeah, how how real is that? Um, I it seems like to be trending towards real, and and Al Washington had a lot of good things to say about him today. Um, well, his story is interesting. I mean, he played Rhode Island football, only played two years, so he's really a baby in the game, right? So physically, if he can catch up mentally with with the game, then maybe there really is something there. And he is a grown man physically. He's an impressive looking yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. So, so do we have any more questions? Do we want to just wrap up on um, some of the other? No more topics? questions. Um, was there anything from interviews today that stood out to you that we haven't uh, haven't touched on? Was there anything from either Jordan Botello's interview or something Al Washington said, or one of the other defensive linemen said to you today that, that stood out to you. Well, I mean, Jordan Botello, this was the first interview that he's had since he's been at Notre Dame and he's a senior. Um, And I thought for he's for as violent as he is on the football field, he is painfully that shy away from it. (laughs) And I thought, I don't know what he was like in front of the camera downstairs where they do the electronic mm-hmm. media stuff. But I thought he was authentic with us. You know, he was shy, but he owned things. You know, I asked him about getting sent home as a freshman. And mm-hmm. and I, I talked to actually his mentor uh, back in Hawaii today for the story that I did. And he's a fascinating story. I'm more fascinated with him than ever. But I also am pretty convinced that he's finally turning the corner. But he owned it all. I mean, he didn't. He didn't uh, uh, say, "Well, you know, I was a victim of circumstance or whatever, or somebody else's fault." Yeah. Um, so that was interesting to me. Um, Junior Tuihalamaka, uh, how much now he's embracing being a viper? He was a little bit surprised. I think that that became a permanent move. Right. Uh, but he's been working on those moves and feels like. You know, this could be – he could play in the NFL as a Viper and whereas maybe as a middle linebacker he wasn't skilled enough to to play at the next level, so he's kind of bought into that. Um, I was looking at some of the Tyson Ford stuff. That interview was a little bit different. It was talking about some kind of lung uh, operation he had when he was one year old, so it was a little bit off the beaten path there. Uh, and then Al Washington just talking about the Vipers, how much they want them to have linebacker skills. You know, we saw some of that um, last year with guys dropping, you know, with the Viper dropping in the coverage right. a little bit more. It seemed like that was less frequent of a of a phenomenon back before, maybe in the Clark Lee and Mike Elko years. Um, so, but, but Al... Al definitely has an answer for everything. Uh, and so far he's shown up as a coach, as a yeah. position coach. I told, I said before the spring that 
he had a lot to prove on the recruiting trail and on the field this year. And he's making strides in both areas, I think. Yeah. Um, I think probably in both areas, you need to see it like on game day for, for the coaching right. aspect. And then in terms of the recruiting thing, in terms of commitments and signees, like right. they're making progress there, but they're still sitting on the one defensive line commitment, but certainly um, seems like some positive momentum with guys like Justin Scott and the Smith twins and um, various defensive linemen that they continue to be gaining momentum with. So we'll see how that sort of position shakes out there. Cause I think that's a really important position group for this recruiting class. So um, we will continue to cover that all on the inside lounge message board. Charleston Bowles is busy working on some recruiting coverage for us. Um, we'll have some more football coverage, obviously throughout the week. We'll have an Inside Indie Sports podcast coming your way on Friday. Um, and we will be back next week for another edition of Football Never Sleep. So make sure you are subscribed. Turn on the notifications so you know which day and time we are we we are on. Um, and then uh, you can get, and be mad pray at me. for our Wi-Fi to work. Yeah, then you can be mad at me when we show up five minutes late because <laughs> five minutes before we get ready to start, all of a sudden I can't get internet pages to load. So uh, thankfully we made it through. Hopefully you guys could hear us clearly throughout the throughout the show. And we thank you for watching.